Jiggity China, the Chinese chicken. Yeah, with drum stick and your brain starts ticking. <laughs> that song is weird. Isn't it? I mean, there's the whole bit about him finding the Sailor Scouts hot, which is also weird. So, I mean, this is a strange song. Anyway, how are you guys doing? I'm doing all right. That's good. There is a third voice, but he's electing not to say Oh, anything. we started? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we I started. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, it's been so long since we just recorded one of these that I was like, is there an intro? I'm just going to go. Let's uh we can beat around the bush, but let's be let's be honest here, fellas. The uh the big dick in the locker room has got to be the OGL crisis. Yep. Wizards of the Coast done fucked it. They done fucked it real yeah. bad, folks. <laughs> just before we start talking about it, just my position on it currently is still just cautiously optimistic but that keeps going down the more statements they keep putting out yeah it's i think mark hume mark humes it's holmes holmes mark Um, holmes real quick i will fully admit to i don't really understand a lot of the technical side of things so a lot of this does go over my head gotcha well this is a great chance for us to kind of uh maybe explain both to him and to perhaps viewers who aren't in the loop either. Um, a very, like, you know, sanded down, quick and easy um, version of what exactly is the problem. Um, and I think one of the first things to mention in the story is a, a little story that popped up a few months ago um, that kind of flew under the radar. I mean, it did, but it didn't. Um, and that was the, I believe she's the CEO of Wizards. Someone um, very high up, like in an executive position in right. either Hasbro or Wizards, basically um, said D&D wasn't being monetized enough. Yeah, yeah. see, that, that I saw, it's like, basically, we don't make enough money off of it, and it's like... Well, it's not really a, an IP set up to generate money like that. Yeah, so it's it comes down to um, both the Hasbro and Wizard of the Coast CEOs, in fact. Um, the Wizard of the Coast CEO, Cynthia Williams, um, made a comment, uh, I think this was, might have been December, actually, of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, time of this recording is late January. Um, and she basically said that D&D as a brand is like under monetized um, and that you don't see the type of recurring spending that you see in digital games. Um, well, this, this sort of opinion aren't like that. Yeah. Like... Um, this sort of opinion was was pretty much echoed by the, uh, the Hasbro CEO, Chris Cox. Um, I'm going to. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything about the name. <laughs> um basically, you know, they they kind of described that DD is under monetized. Um and the mention of like the kind of recurring spending you see in digital games pretty much read to everybody as microtransactions. Um Yeah. 
it's not really a surprise, and I don't think that that's a controversial thing to say. Could you so, imagine opening D&D Beyond and being greeted with, would you like to buy a loot box for $2? Oh my god. Oh, fuck off. And you just fuck, you fuck. just get fuck, you unlock a random class, a random monster for the monster manual. <laughs> so <laughs> I think a lot of no, people like yeah, fuck that like, oh, you need to pay this to unlock this monster. Yeah. Fuck you. There's and um one of the things is like uh I think a lot of people originally like I think some of us tried to interpret this statement in a good faith, you know, the most positive interpretation you could get out of it, which would be like, you know, oh, they mean like under monetized as in like, you know, more D&D video games and books and merch. That's Wouldn't like cool? the good faith, uh, generous interpretation. Right. And like, but a, the and realistic. Don't get me wrong. Know, I would love more books oh, and me too. video games and everything set in the various D&D settings. Absolutely. Give me a fucking video game set in Eberron. Yeah. If Come that on. is what they meant, if if that was what they meant, I'd be on board. I would love... I, listen, I want a Drist anime more than I think I want any adaptation of anything ever. Except, <laughs> except an animated Mistborn. Um... <laughs> I personally want an animated Mistborn, but I I think that I want an animated Drist more. Animated Drist uh, would be so fucking cool. It would be right? the coolest. And it would kick, it, like, people would love it. People who've been, you know, reading Drist for the last 30 years. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, Drist, like, yeah, he was memed for a long time because it's like, oh, he's, you know, the perfect protagonist, blah, blah, uh -huh. blah. I get it. But he really is one of the best, like, protagonists. Um, there's a reason he's been around so long. Yeah. Like, really? and there's a reason he has staying power. Yeah. And also, there's a reason people beg Salvatore for more of him. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I don't want to go, like, I don't want to derail too long into this topic. So I'm just going to quickly mention I think Drist would make a fantastic example of a. Of a role model of positive masculinity, like absolutely, yes. oh, absolutely. I mean, and I mean, it's not a surprise that he's a lot like Aragorn in this aspect because, like, the ranger. Um, that's like, you know, like Drist is made to be a fantasy ranger, and, and I don't think that that's a shortcoming or like a flaw. Like people forget tropes exist because people like them. Um, exactly, and so. You know, I just think Drist would be such a awesome, like, like example of positive masculinity to have right now. So yeah, I would love more D and D content. I do not want D and D with microtransactions. Yeah, I don't want to buy loot boxes for D and D Beyond. Um, exactly. So that statement happened in like December. Everybody kind of forgot about it, and then uh, the OGL leak. <laughs> so, and then, yep, and then the whole leak. Basically, for anybody who doesn't fully understand, the OGL is essentially a legal agreement that lets you like publish D and D content. Yeah, basically, um, you can you, you can use the mechanics of the game and certain yeah. other aspects of the game in your own published. Work. There are 
there are like other legal agreements that let you use D&D terms. Um, one second. It's like a Creative Commons license, kind of. In the sense where like you can use certain things just commercially for yourself or either like you can sell it on DMs Guild or you can use it in your own games. And basically that's what D&D has existed under since I want to say 3rd edition. I could be wrong. But I, be- I believe the original open gaming license, that's what OGL stands for, came out when 3rd edition came out. And that's why Paizo was able to do Pathfinder, basically. is because Pathfinder was built on the OGL. Yeah, it's, yeah. The Pathfinder was... What, are the, what was it originally called? Uh, 3.75? Yeah, people... Yeah, people like to call yeah. it that because it was based on 3.5 rules. Right. So, but that's getting to your point, though, is... Mm-hmm. The OGL is what lets you stream D&D games. It's what lets you publish D&D, like, homebrew content on places like DMs Guild and Drive-Thru RPG. Um, and it's just generally why we have so much community-made content um, for D&D. And it's, like, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that it's why D&D has succeeded. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so... Yeah, like D and D would not be where it is right now without the OGL. Leaks came out. Basically, Wizards had sent a bunch of like, you know, uh, like higher profile community members and like content creators in the D and D, you know, social media sphere. Um, basically, Wizards says that this was a draft. However. It was never stated that it was a draft. These were like basically contracts that were like expected to be signed. Yeah. Um, also, I feel like a draft wouldn't have like concrete legalese in it. Yeah. Like exactly. these were like legal documents um, that were like expected to be signed. And um, and they tried to do this like fairly hush hush. Um, basically, this new drafted um I say drafted. That's probably not a good word to use because I use drafted meaning like this newly created, newly written up um, like version of the OGL. It there's a lot of like, you know, vague terminology. It's um, more or less it had things about like, you know, creators paying royalties to uh, Wizards of the Coast if they made more than a certain amount of money off of D&D. there were things so about like an example back. with that. An example with that, like we wouldn't, but like yeah. critical critical role definitely yeah. would. <laughs> um, and there were certain things like kind of weird things about like wizards potentially being able to pretty much take ownership of something published under the new OGL. Um, and then basically just not give you credit for it at all. It there, I think what they stated their intention was was to be able to sort of remove content published under the OGL that was like hateful or discriminatory, which like cool, but it's it's also an incredibly to, vague statement. Yeah, because it's hard to put into legal it. terminology in a way that doesn't allow you to just sort of interpret it however you want mm-hmm. and um and it's just not something that belongs in an OGL. You know, they they're a corp like they're a corporate entity. They have the ability to like issue cease and desist orders 
and like you know and to buy out content that is harmful and also the ogl like by its own nature it kind of makes them you know not liable for something that's published you know something that's offensive that is published under the ogl because of the way that the ogl exists anyway it's not like that not like wizards would be held liable for something like that being published right so it's because then but, wouldn't um, like a bunch of other companies way back when fatal came out have been liable because of how they based it off of other shit it's so it's pretty much filled with a lot of um like vague terminology and just like there there were all sorts of loopholes that basically would let wizards slash hasbro like either neutralize content or like other competitors or seize content there were specific sort of like uh there were specific things against things like vtt which, which is a virtual tabletop if you yeah don't know. right so this all came out and the internet exploded <laughs> um since then, there's been a lot of reporting, a lot of additional leaks. This has been covered in depth by people much more um, informed than I think any of us are. Yeah, if you want to watch um, a really good video series on it, I highly recommend going to D&D Shorts on YouTube. Yes, D&D Shorts, I think, did a great job covering it. Um, he did make mistakes along the way. However, he always, at, like, at any time that he came to realize that information he presented was wrong or inaccurate or lacking context, he did go back and correct it um, and update it in like later videos or on his Twitter posts. So I think that he, even though he's not a journalist, he's not a professional journalist, he made mistakes. I think he did a very good job of bringing a lot of information to light. Doing the layman's coverage of it. Yeah. Another, another, Great source of information about this has been Linda Codega. You can uh, you can find them on Twitter, um, as well as the website gizmodo.com. Um, they have been doing excellent coverage. But basically, um, something I kind of wanted to get into was one of D&D Short's more recent videos where he talked about... Basically, he had been in contact with a lot of employees at Wizards, and he talked about the things that they had leaked to him. And boy, it's grim. Basically, like the picture that he kind of painted in his video, which if you haven't seen it, highly recommend you go watch it. Essentially, the picture I got is, you know, the the rank and file, like the design teams and like the normal people working at Wizards of the Coast. They love like they love this game, you know, like people like and, and this was actually stressed in the people like leaking information to him that people such as uh, Jeremy Crawford, uh, Jeremy Crawford's name came up a few times. The, the actual like design team leaders and people like Jeremy Crawford have been trying to, you know, do their best for the game and trying to protect the workers at Wizards from this, you know, from the sort of the policies coming up from like corporate and whatnot. So please do not direct unnecessary like, vitriol at like the yeah. designers and the workers especially not at social media managers on twitter or twitch like that's a waste a of everybody your like yeah like when it first leaked and dnd beyond canceled the stream they had scheduled everybody was like oh they're doing it because they're afraid of the backlash is like well they're not gonna put an innocent stream presenter yeah. through a bunch of hateful vitriol through twitch chat you know 
more or less um, um, a lot of the language that was described um, as having happened. Also, uh, we have a new arrival. If we would like to shout that out. What's up, Nick? Say hi. You're on camera. Wait, we're on camera now? What? No. What's that? Another company has shown that they want not just some of the money, but all of the money? (laughs) Huh. Don't be surprised. The the recent D&D Shorts video uh, where he shares the insider leaks he's been given, a name that came up... um, Pretty much throughout the entire video is one Chris Kao, who is the, uh, I believe, like VP of digital at either Wizards or Hasbro. I'm not entirely sure on that one. That's why I recommend watching the the video. Basically, Chris Kao is a is a fella with lots of experience in like digital, like uh, like marketing. A lot of experience in like video games, MMOs, and that is relevant because. He, Chris Kao has apparently allegedly said um, that he doesn't need to play D anD D to like be working on D anD D because he has worked successfully on MMOs and other video games, and it's basically all the same. His alleged words. Oof, buddy. That's a that's a th- that's a thing to say. <laughs> oh God, I that's um just not even true. <laughs> So things like that, um, allegedly a lot of language about, uh, you know, ideas such as destroying, um, quote unquote, destroying D&D Beyond um, and other sorts of like virtual tabletops and a lot of the online resources that basically publish D&D content for free, um, which is what enables anybody to jump in and just play D&D and learn how to play D&D. Basically, like... You know, the people at, you know, the, the, I should say the corp, the corpo people at Wizards and Hasbro are pretty much like they are not, they're not fans. They just don't, yeah, they're not fans and they don't understand how the game works. And they're especially not fans of things like D&D Beyond and like, you know, uh, I can't think of a specific example, but the, the various the various websites and online resources that provide D&D tools and rules and whatnot for free, they are not fans of those existing. Their goal is to basically see those things like removed or at least sort of neutered so that they can create their own sort of VTT system, an online system that will allow them to basically, if you want to play D&D like with virtual tools, you know, you, you have to go through wizards basically. There was something specifically going again back to D&D shorts where he caught a lot of flack for saying that um, there was a proposed like subscription service uh, like in the works that would see the highest tier costing $30 per month um, and like the lower or like free tiers basically not allowing you to have like homebrew and other things like that. A lot of people jumped on on him because like some like D&D Beyond employees came out and basically said like that's not true D&D Beyond doesn't have any plans for something like that. And so that kind of went back and forth for a little bit. However, <laughs> he revealed in his uh insider leak video they they want to kill D&D Beyond. <laughs> like Wizards uh and like Hasbro do not like D&D Beyond. It's because D&D um, Beyond if I believe is owned by fandom 
right? Well, it um, at first, Wizards didn't own D&D Beyond. It just existed like on its own. Um, some of you might remember that they bought D&D Beyond, and that was basically... Say, is this... Is this 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 link you're talking about? Is this like an official thing that's been confirmed, or is this just something that um, is is because, as far as I remember, um, the at least from what I've been looking at, um, Wizards is very, very much paying attention to D and D Beyond. You can show that one of the reasons that when the when the new OGL when they started the the, the new OGL that they're telling everyone that happened is because of the massive subscriber loss that D&D Beyond took. It, it, yeah, fact, according to like most 40, sources... 40,000 subs. And according, at least according to most of the sources I saw, that uh, Hasbro wasn't looking at anything except practically D&D Beyond subscription. That was the money that they were looking at. So yeah. when the only thing that they were paying attention to was D&D Beyond, suddenly lost all of the subscriptions, they went up, and suddenly, suddenly, the new OGL says, "Oh no, no, this is this is what's good. We're all winners." Oh, also, like, oh, um, yeah. So, I just looked that's... it up. Sorry, I I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, you go ahead. I did just look it up. Uh, I guess uh, it was April of last year that Hasbro acquired D and D Beyond from Fandom for about a hundred and forty-six million dollars. For the time being, you know, until like the whole like one D and D virtual tabletop thing, basically until that is completed, it. My guess, this is this right now is just theory crafting. I guess my guess is that you know they they bought D and D Beyond so that they could sort of like secure the money that was going to D and D Beyond, and they could use it to like build and test things out and figure out you know how exactly does D and D VTT work and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they bought it pretty much as like damage control. And then their plan is to basically use some of that software, use that, you know, the experience of the teams and whatnot to build their own, like, you know, fully, uh, what's the word? Like proprietary virtual tabletop system. Like we're seeing with one D and D pretty much. Right. Um, you know, to build like their own homegrown, like proprietary uh, VTT system, and then once it's done and it's ready, and they can actually release it, and more importantly, monetize it. Um, I think that they're just going to axe D and D Beyond, or at least neuter it to where, you know, uh, it's functionally kind of dead. But yeah, which would suck. D and D Beyond is fucking great. I think. Um, since that like clearly isn't like ready yet, and that hasn't happened for now, D and D Beyond is there. You know. It is their virtual tabletop like tool, and the uh, the leak that mentioned how they were watching D and D Beyond subscriptions. Basically, it said that like they pay cl- they pay attention to the to the D and D Beyond subscription because it's their most immediate. It's basically their most immediate indicator of how like sales are going because like th- you know sales there's no like, way else it has to tell the sales right. Yeah. Basically, it's because it's the only way to do something. Yeah, it's, look it's at the most immediate information that they have, pretty much. Um, because things like sales of books and like gathering public opinion takes a lot of time. Um, whereas D&D Beyond subscriptions, they can check that right now. So it's 
um, it's pretty much that like they have instant <clears throat> access to those numbers and they can instantly see kind of how those numbers are doing. You know, in this in this video discussing like the insider leaks, there seemed to be a lot of, you know, talk from the higher ups about pretty much destroying competition in the virtual space. Things like VTTs, things like D&D Beyond, things like online, you know, rules, resources. And that is a very, like, you know, uncomfortable thing. Yeah. Um, it's, also it's, also very, like, it's also very dangerous. Well, it's also really stupid. They can't. Like, it's one of those things where it's, 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 intro doesn't get it. Yeah. Right? Like, they don't under, like... It like, feels like an ego trip, honestly. Yeah, it's and, it's one of those things where it's like you think about it. It's everything you everything you said. It sounds really really bad, and then you think about it for five seconds and realize if they were to even attempt, like the minute they start, they they just there's a whiff that D and D Beyond subscriptions might go up to like sixty, and people already fucking just hate it. Just started leaving, you know. I think that was the biggest like uh, push for the D and D subscription like, exodus was when people realized I think they're gonna just push up the subscription and do all this bullshit so just leave and it just shows it's like the minute Hasbro actually does something to enforce anything that they want to do people are just gonna leave there's fucking there's there's the fucking whatever system pathways is right over there there's fucking I have heard more people start talking about GURPS now. Thanks to this fucking thing that I've had in the past, like, 20 years. Here's here's something I don't think any of them really have thought about at all. They probably haven't. Older editions. Yeah. We don't need new. We can keep using what we have. Like... Yeah, like, I don't intend on stopping... I don't intend on, like, not... Or stopping playing D anD D or like fifth edition in general. It's just anything moving forward is going to be all. You're going to have to sell me hard on it, man. And, and also, like maybe I don't know, put out something saying that the old OGL can't be retracted. Yeah, that's I mean. that. Well, that that a lot of people were. There's been a lot of speculation at that, and that's particularly interesting because uh, what was it? A lot of people. I can't. Oh, damn it. I wish I'd researched this more. I didn't know we were going to talk about this, damn it. Um, <laughs> do you know about the, uh, the 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 guys who helped make the original OGL are pushing together uh, 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 in case anything kind of happens for like a sort of uh, counter-lawsuit kind of thing against uh, Hasbro in case they try to go against the old OGL? I remember hearing... I thought I'd heard something that. about that, but I... Yeah, like, I don't know anything more on it. There has yeah, um, been a lot of, like, for example, Paizo and uh, Cobalt yeah. Press. Yeah, I saw something with from Paizo where they were like... Oh, no, we were there when you wrote the old magic. Yeah, they basically... Wait, no, 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 they're not even that. Uh, they were the ones who helped... <laughs> yeah, Everyone yeah. who's responsible for the other jails at Paizo now. So they it's one of those things that's like, you will not be able to. Like, Hasbro will not be able to go back and say uh, 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 everything that the old OGL did is like, you know, like, like stuff will be forfeit. Like when, when that came out, I, about everyone I know who even knows a little bit of legalese went, they can't do that. Like you won't be able to enforce that. 
I, yeah, but see, they have think heard that enough Paizo, money means they can get around that. I, I have heard that Paizo has pretty much stated that, like, if they have to, they will, like, bring lawyers to court. Um, I don't know if that's true, but uh, I've heard they that should. floating around. That, that, um, yeah, that, that, is one, that is what I heard, too, yeah. And I think that they could definitely win that case. And within the next year, you are going to see... At least one, probably more, D and D Beyond alternatives. Probably something definitely sponsored by Pato are going to um, start popping up. I'm all, I'm gonna give a little bit of a hot take here. I have a feeling we may see a tabletop renaissance because of this. I think it's possible. Yeah, it, um, it is. I mean, the, with Orc being a thing, and uh, all these indie companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, just sort of, if, because I feel like they're gonna start publishing their content under Orc, and then, um, yeah, you're just gonna see a lot of new systems, new games, just yeah. in all sorts and, of genres too. And you know, I I hope D and D bounces back from the, like I want D and D to succeed. Yeah, I don't want D and D to die. Um, yeah, it's the OG, it's the one that you know. I absolutely read. do think that like people branching out and being encouraged to explore other systems because of this mm-hmm. will be will be better for tabletop games as a whole. Um, oh, we've even talked about branching out to do different games because yeah, of Yeah, stuff like mm-hmm. Cyberpunk, Vampire the Masquerade, um, Monster of the Week, stuff like that. Pathfinder, Starfinder. The, one of the things about this is um, I think a lot of this push is coming from Hasbro who has, like, you know, Hasbro is sort of looking to, like, amplify, like, the the profitability of their brand. And, you know, like, because, like, for the last several years, Hasbro itself hasn't been doing all that hot. Um, you know, uh, the Hasbro action figure owns... market is lucrative, but it's tiny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, no, you know, no, it's... It's, 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 it's not that. Hasbro has, oh my god, it's one of those things with, like, because I'm both a Transformer and in my little pony band, I've been following Hasbro for, like, 15 years now, and it's this abundantly clear thing where the marketing team at Hasbro has no idea what the fuck yeah. they're doing, yeah. and anytime they have a good thing, they immediately want to do everything they can to... Run it into the ground. So I think a lot of this push is coming from Hasbro, but I think also suits at Wizards. The D and D team has always been stellar. Wizards of the Coast, right? Not. <laughs> um, yeah, right. Not, not. Um, I mean, just take a look at what they did the Magic the Gathering over the last year or two. Yeah. So, Oof. you know, it, it's important to remember, like the people who design D and D and who run like social media accounts at at wizards and whatnot they are not the enemy here do not send jeremy crawford hate mail you are not achieving anything like that's not praxis i know that's you know i know someone on tiktok told you that that's praxis it's not um yeah no always blame the corpo suits not the actual human beings like like, crawford and perkins aren't Aren't like, the blame here. It's the people in the, the fucking board. The insider groups. leaks have repeatedly stressed the fact that, like, Jeremy Crawford, his, Jeremy Crawford's name comes up a lot. Always in the context of 
Jeremy Crawford loves this game and does his best for the team and for the like for the fans um, and for the game itself. He's like the one um, voice we have in there right now. Former Wizards employees also just not even people associated with the leaks have said like the D&D design team is a fucking joy to be around Mm -hmm. just all the time. A lot of the digital team has said that they are not able to even communicate with the design team. They are specifically instructed not to. <laughs> you can imagine why. So if you're gonna if you get mad at people, get mad at corporate and and get mad at PR. Anyone who like, works on PR is a people is, like Chris Kao, Chris Cox. <laughs> a lot of Chris's. There's too many Cynthia Chris's. Williams. The curse of the Chris's. <laughs> New D D module. We we do Curse <laughs> of Strahd, but instead of Castle Ravenloft, it's uh it's you know like Watsy headquarters. <laughs> the only Chris and, that's safe is Chris Perkins. Yeah. And uh I think we might he, get in trouble for being a little too on the nose here. He'll be he'll be Sergey in that uh Sergey in that version of the module will be Chris Perkins. <laughs> then, for legal reasons, this is a joke. Of course. Yeah. Something I thought was interesting in the um, in the like insider leaked videos uh, or the insider leaks video on D and D shorts is um, there were a lot of descriptions of what this um, what this like wizards proprietary like virtual tabletop was going to be like. Remember that quote from our good friend Cynthia about D and D being under monetized, you know, compared to the way we see in video games with recurring spending, aka microtransactions. This was supposed to be the system that would have uh, the subscription services up to $30 a month. And then you were going to be able to buy, guess what? Cosmetics, um, you know, attack animations, spell animations, ability animations, you know, different like outfits and effects for your character. Because remember, this was like a virtual tabletop. It was basically D&D as a video game. I mean, you can. I mean, just look at the videos for one D and D itself. You can kind of see how you could microtransact the fuck out of this. Also, and I should so, say, um, just attached to the description of this episode will be a link to the draft version of OGL one point two. If anybody is curious and wants to read it, yes. it's hilarious because all the pages have a watermark that just says <laughs> draft. Yeah, they wanted to stress it this time. <laughs> like, it's it's a draft this time, guys. <laughs> you know, hearing these leaks about the, you know, the the Wizards of the Coast tabletop, uh, uh, virtual tabletop program about, you know, cosmetics and animations and subscriptions, it's disappointing and it's unfortunate, but it's not at all surprising. Like, yeah. It's, it's like, you just gotta look at, like, you just gotta look at like the. It's easy to see like what they want to be. Yeah, it's really not that any, surprising. Look at and look. Go look up any Transformers story and see how they've been trying to nickel and dime <laughs> every single last bit of like Diaclone shit. And the thing is, uh, this like the one D and D like virtual tabletop system. When I first saw it, like when they put out trailers for it, I was really excited. And I would have been excited for this system, minus the microtransactions and subscriptions. I, I would love a, a D&D virtual tabletop system where I can, like, you know, pick, like, animations for my abilities and my spells and attacks and stuff. And, mm-hmm. I you know, like, that would be so cool. 
and this could have been such a cool like system and it would have succeeded just on its you know features like having animations and like you know customization like on its own it could have succeeded just by being a really cool idea um but they really well they really shot it well, in the foot well um i don't know how long you'll have to wait but i suspect you will get something like that now oh yeah. because i am i am well that that was the plan for for 1D&D. &D. Um Well no, it's like now that they like you said that they practically shot themselves in the foot, I have no doubt. Um intrepid young fucking users I have a feeling that pretty soon on Steam, same way you have like the virtual tabletop, I forgot what it's called, you are going to find like people are going to stop popping that stuff out oh, like yeah. man-made now. If yeah, anything there's... In order just to spite you. <laughs> I've seen, um, there's one on Steam. I actually have it, but I can't remember what it's called. That is kind of very similar to the one D&D system where it's like a virtual tabletop where you can like place down minis, build sets, and you can move them around and you can roll. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. I can't. It's, yeah, it's, it's literally Tales called, Fire. I think, like, Tailspire. Yeah. Yep. I have it. It's really cool. It's still like, there's still a lot to be done. I think they're still adding a lot of features. It's still in still... early access, yeah. Yeah. But I think that that was a big inspiration for, you know, like, just like how they want to sort of corner D&D Beyond's market, I think they also want to corner the market on these, you know, really interesting, really well-designed uh, virtual tabletops. So Yeah, they used uh, Tailspire for the Starstruck season um, of Dimension 20. Also, hi, everyone. Also, hi. Welcome. I I came upstairs and I'm laying down because I'm not feeling very well. But I also wanted to talk about something because um, I'm angry. I'm very angry. Well, hi, angry. I'm Jake. Hi, Jake. Um. So okay. So uh, I agree with you on the one D and D stuff. The OGL stuff is really stupid. One D and D had some good ideas and also some bad ideas, but. Uh, fuck all of it now because it's all nonsense and bad and I'm not going to play any of it. Uh, yeah, I think it's ridiculous. I think the whole thing's ridiculous. And just as a quick little thing, I'm looking at Tailspire's Steam page. One, I urge anyone who can spare it to support the Tailspire project. It's, it's really cool. $25. You really can't beat that. Very positive reception. Yeah, it's $25. and it's, It looks I don't, beautiful. I mm -hmm. haven't opened it in a in months, so I don't know if there's a subscription service or like microtransactions. There might be, I don't know. But what I want to highlight, <laughs> the name of the developer like uh, studio is Bouncy Rock Entertainment, and that deserves an award. I love that name so Dang. much. Since the gang is all here, I guess do do we want to? Do we want to consider? Yes, I do. Okay, so what are we um, talking about? <laughs> I was. This in FYI, I was not planning on being here very long. I had one thing to talk about, then I was going to peace out to go to bed. But I figured I would. I would just storm the castle real quick and and say my piece and leave. <laughs> yeah. Don't talk about something. I, I just it's it's something I want to say real quick because it's you know I'm a Kingdom Hearts fan. I'm a part of the Kingdom Hearts community. Yeah, sorry to hear that. 
Um, yeah, I'm a Kingdom Hearts fan and too. I, um, <laughs> yeah, no well, like, I'm, a, here. Uh, I'm a recovering Kingdom Hearts fan. Telling, I've been trying to tell every single goddamn fan they need to stay and they won't. It's gonna suck. Um, there's a new Kingdom Hearts game that I announced like a year or two ago. It's called Missing Link. It was a really interesting like. Uh, game that looked like it was going to be like kind of like a sequel to a uh, fucking or at least like uh, a sequel to the the uh, Union Cross but like actually action based so rather than using just using your 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 medals and cards to like do attacks you, your your character would actually have uh your combos tied into it it looked really cool um and they've been releasing a lot more information on it and it looks interesting um, and I want to tell every single Kingdom Hearts fan out there to stop being excited about it because it's just going to get fucking canceled in like a fucking year. Well, like, the prototype yeah. the prototype test just started. Yeah, and it's like cool. Um, they just got done canceling the third live service game that, and this one was like, so it's like, nah, they they, they couldn't keep. Last soldier alive. Oh, is that the Final Fantasy VII Battle Royal? Yeah, Yeah. and that was a Final Fantasy VII game, and they were like, nope, a year. Event like uh, Chocobo GP was barely a year, and they they given up on that, and then just just now like uh, Chocobo GP is a garbage game. So no, it's actually not. That's the problem. Is it's really fucking fun, Mm. Mm. but. But okay. riddled with microtransactions and pay-to-win stuff, which is what killed it. And now, of course, you know, Avengers shutting down. And <laughs> it it at least has the distinction of they didn't outright lie. They have, in fact, uh, uh, supported Avengers for multiple years. Two. Two solid years. So, at least it wasn't a complete lie when they said they'd... Uh, They'd support it for years to come. It is a lie with everything else. So it's like, I wish I could like it, but the fact it's like, don't don't care about this game. It's there is no game there is nothing that they have done to show that this game will live longer than a couple of months, if a if a year at least. General feelers uh, from the group on uh perhaps you know, perhaps maybe starting whatever our next uh storyline is um a kingdom hearts game got it <laughs> <laughs> i'm donald um, duck system. i have oh, a system a, i have a, a system, system yeah a really fun one don't fucking tempt me uh what's yeah. the name of it again i can't remember i think it's something something hearts it has an arts acronym isn't there also a final fantasy 14 ttrpg uh probably yeah, there is, but like uh, the, the the one I'm talking about for Kingdom Hearts specifically is like it's it is it is so specific to Kingdom Hearts. It's one of those yeah. things where it's like it it is really unique. It it it's you know. Mm. Um, I'll look yeah, at it. It's not even it's not even like combat. It's not even like real combat. Like, it's like because it's just like no, it's uh, interstitial is what it's called. Interstitial, our hearts intertwined. It's a very good game. Um. It's it's awesome, uh, but but what were you thinking? Oh, um, I was just gonna say or put out feelers on how the gang was feeling about you know once we wrap up our um you know our our Eberron 
shenanigans with perhaps starting our next um, storyline, whatever our next arc may be, with a system such as Pathfinder 2E or any of the various um, you know fantasy TTRPG systems out there. Or we can yeah. even branch out from fantasy and do like cyberpunk, vampire, Starfinder, uh, even Shadowrun. Shadowrun uh, keeps maybe. getting tossed around at me, and I'm like, I'm scared <laughs> of all the D6s I'll need. <laughs> <laughs> at some point, I really want to play in a Blades in the Dark game. Um, that game is awesome. That game is awesome. You basically uh, play as a group of thieves uh, and you do missions and jobs and you have your own base and it's, it's got like a base building mechanic kind of to it. Oh, it's published um, by the same people who publish um, Monster of the Week. I don't... It, yes. Does it use the same system? It's a similar system. Um, but you don't plan it in it. The only thing you plan is when you when you do a mission, you choose what type of mission you want to do, and then you choose your point of ingress into the mission, and, and and like you just pick how you get in, and then basically how it works is you have stress that you can take to like let's say you there's a door that's locked and you have to get through the door, you can say that you you take a certain number of stress to have a flashback to where you bribed a guard to keep that door unlocked. So you know you don't plan shit out ahead of time. You actually like you can do it as you go through the through the game. It's it's, it's a lot of bullshit it through. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. Also from what I'm reading, um, um there's a Creative Commons license system reference document that allows people to use the Forge in the Dark game for other games. Yeah. Yes. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really, really cool. It's a great system, and I've never gotten a chance to play it, uh, but I always wanted to. I really like the idea of sort of doing um, like occasional sort of either like one-offs or like mini-series um, of other systems. It's something... Yeah. I'm, I mean, I've been mentioning it to do it with like Cyberpunk or uh like, starfinder for some time now as well yeah um like here's an idea with the, the one you just mentioned like say say we have to do a heist in the eberron game why couldn't we just do an episode using that oh switch for systems the heist? for an episode you yeah. could do that absolutely i'm a pro prime advocate for that like it, that's it, a it's, it's, at the table thing it's a uh, using a different system to further along the same story. I think that yeah. could be an interesting way to branch out without really having to wait until we're, you know, done with this one. If there's some right. we can use is like, like some of these, like they're the one shot tabletop uh, tabletops where they're only supposed to be. Oh yeah. The one, one page RPGs. Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, Crash Pandas or Honey Heist. I have, I have one of those that I made. It's called Feels Familiar. I feel like we could get a lot of mileage out of doing some of those as like, like you said, like during this main story 
and then we have something within that we have to do that we can use the you know, one we fucking, page. We fucking, we fucking, we trace horny boys it up. We, it's like what they do with their live shows, where it's like basically them using almost like in whatever yeah. this this is one shot systems or like things, and it's instead it's like yeah, only instead of like it being like you make up your characters, it's like no, nah, here's just fucking Sonya and Varith and shit. Yeah, and we do one right, you know. Like, Let's run a military political intrigue campaign where we we play the game, uh, you know, in a in a d twenty table top RPG system, and then we resolve battles with Warhammer system, and then oh we resolve God. grand yeah. strategic campaigns with risk. No, with no, no, risk. no, yeah, with risk. You want to get dumb? We do the the military one, but battles are fucking Robotech. <laughs> You want to get dumb? Let's get dumb. But also, you know that what? game has to be a thinly veiled uh, pastiche of Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, okay, of course. I I demand to use whatever system has received more D12s. And more more D12s <laughs> is never a bad thing. More D12s. Yeah, yeah D12 so, doesn't get enough love. Exactly. I am a big advocate of. Mixing in some some other RPGs for like one shots or for like scenarios within our existing main game. Yeah. Um, and I, I, my vote personally, if we do decide to switch the system for our main game, um, I th- I think that for us, um, we all have D and D in common. That's that's the tabletop RPG that we all have in common with each other. Um, yeah. I think. My vote personally would be towards perhaps Pathfinder, like probably Pathfinder 2E just because it's the Pathfinder the right, now. right now. Yeah, um, right. And Pathfinder like 1E, it, it has kind of the Warhammer effect where you look at it and you're like, Jesus Christ, there's so much there. Yeah, there's a lot. To that so game. Pathfinder 2 is still rapidly expanding, but... Pathfinder 2E is still newer, so it's not as like daunting it's to kind of crazy. jump into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as long as I don't have to DM it, I already DM one Pathfinder 2 game, uh, or I'm about to do it again, and it's yeah. a daunting task. Well, if if Matt wants to stay as our regular DM and wants to DM Pathfinder um, in a regular game, um, you know, we could do that, and I would be interested in. Um, since it would probably be a while before we could get to that, um, I would be interested in doing, like, I could DM a sort of Pathfinder mini arc sometime between now and then. I to... yeah. am fully in support of giving up the DM chair for a bit. Not that um, I, not that I hate it. I love being the DM, but sometimes it's like, man, do I just want to be totally. a little goblin that fucks shit up? <laughs> um, right, I get you. So yeah, I um I'd be willing to uh you know, invest in some Pathfinder resources and craft up some sort of short um concise Pathfinder, you know, sure. story that we can play in. That way we can all get used to it in a in a in a form factor that is not a big campaign mm-hmm. sprawling epic story. Yeah. I can and also when we go into our big epic campaign uh story in pathfinder will all be a bit more familiar um, sure not like a plan to me potential I... audience viewers who haven't seen pathfinder before will have gotten some taste of it you know with our unique 
our unique flavor of bad cooking. I can also <laughs> vouch heavily for Jake as a dungeon master. He's been my dungeon master for over 10 years at this point. Look, that's based on how he plays his characters. If <laughs> if he's any even half as good as a DM, like it'll be entertaining as fuck. And if you need a break, I don't mind as much as I protest playing DMing Pathfinder. I don't mind running a session or two. It's not that bad. Yeah, um, I'd like to try DMing. Pathfinder two is 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 rough. I mean, it's a lot crunchier of a system for one. Um, there's a lot more numbers that have to be adjusted. Uh, Am I the only like one that has no interest in DMing? <laughs> well, just as I was, just as I was like, gonna I, say, I, I think everybody's gonna get a chance to be the DM, except for Jace. Yeah, I just—it's <laughs> not. I've done it. I can do it if I absolutely am needed to. It's just not my thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's one of those things. It's like when. Too. When I I don't know if I'm a good or a bad DM because I DM like one game, and yeah. in that game, um, I realized I was in charge. So when it came down to like numbers and stuff, I was like, and I can just change this number if I want. I can just yeah. change this number, and I did. I, I like you know I do that in so many of started, our combat encounters. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's like you know. Kind of high. I'm gonna make these challenges a bit harder to hit now, because you know it's like I had. Also, like it's like I had like a little book, and like yeah, it's the basic idea of what I wanted. And then as they were doing it, I just kind of like rolled with it. And like, yeah, let's see where we go. Okay, yeah, they're hitting really hard. This thing, they're hit. They're rolling really high. I'm gonna award to this. It's also it's also fun to just be like, you know what? No, yeah. it doesn't. Whatever you just <laughs> said, no, it doesn't. Because I can say that. I'm in charge. I can just say, doesn't. Some would reject this truth, but I think that that is the mark of a good DM. Um, yeah. Agreed. Recognizing, you know, sometimes you will see that your encounter is not hard enough. Sometimes you will see that it is too hard. Um, and other times you will, see, you, will, you will be able to tell that your campaign right now needs that element of randomness and the hands of fate to to give it some sense of like actions have consequences and yeah. things could go wrong. Um, yeah. There's, you know, I don't think that there is, um, some people are like, everything should be controlled and scripted or some people are like, nothing should be controlled or scripted. Yeah. I, I know, I, I know a couple of people that are like hard against random encounters and it's like, but like, I have an yeah. outline, be willing to adapt. It's yeah, exactly. Um, like the way that I have, have planned campaigns for the last few years has always been, I pretty I create the setting, I create the important people you'll meet, the important places you'll go. And I create, you know, scenarios of different things that could happen, but I don't resolve, you know, I don't predetermine any solutions for anything. I don't predetermine how or where things go. I'm like, this is where you are. These are the important people around you. This is what's going on. You you tell me what you want to do. What do you want to do about the goblins in the hills? Oh, what's that? You you have a, a you know you have a, a mentor in your backstory uh, who is an artificer that makes battle mechs. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like I'll run with it. Yeah, I mean, I I say a 
I'm not willing to put an, a percentage number to this, but a significant percentage of your campaign planning should revolve around your characters' like backstories. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, if somebody gives me a backstory that is like, you know, uh, like yeah, I made a I made a deal with fucking uh, you know some witch of the bog one time, and I don't know what's gonna become of that. I'm gonna be like, great. You want to know who's working with the bad guy now? <laughs> right. It's yeah. like surprise, motherfucker. Oh, your your dad was uh, an important like political figure. Cool. That's he's that's prime certainly... target for being dead <laughs> or something. You know, or your exploits are now a scandal he has to deal with. Oh, you and committed you a heinous get... act in your backstory. Bounty hunters pursuing you. <laughs> Check. You know, it's. I definitely think that your characters, you know, should influence. Um, like their backstory should be significant to the world. Um, unless the point of their character is literally, I am a nobody from nowhere. I was a farmer. I killed a goblin. I was like, wow, that was really easy. So I killed more <laughs> goblins and people paid me for it. <laughs> right. If if that is the character they are going with, then fucking right on. Good for yeah. them. <laughs> but even that, even that sets up like what happens when that character like unexpectedly becomes the center of, of attention where people are like, yeah, this fucking like cool ass hero is saving people by killing goblins that have been like rampaging the villages. Um, what happens when the group of orcs now moves into the territory the goblins were yeah, What on? happens when the goblins swear a blood debt? <laughs> right! <laughs> what happens when the economy of this entire region becomes codependent upon goblin killing and then some <laughs> asshole killed and then some asshole killed all the goblins? Exactly. Your characters should have impact on the setting. Um... So it sounds like we're pretty set on like we're going to move to Pathfinder Two at some point with the way it's the conversations going. I'm, I'm certainly I'm a hundred percent in favor of it, but I I'm, yeah. I'm not going to complain if we don't. Um, I'm going to be honest. I like Five E more than I do Pathfinder Two. I've played a campaign since the since the game literally came out. Like the day the book came out, we made characters. Um, and we've gone from first level to, to, I think we're 17th now over the last, what, two, three years, I think. And I like it. I, it's got a lot of really good pros, but the con, like, I, I, I just like, I like five E's ease a bit more. It's streamlining. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Five, yeah. five E is very streamlined. And like TTRPG system to date. And I say this as somebody like I started learning on second edition AD and D. Oh yeah, um, I remember those days, oh, man. And I oh you're bringing back memories. It. If you um, decide that you want to play a wizard, talk to me about the alternative spellcasting rules because <laughs> the default spellcasting for wizards and fought in pf2 sucks real bad jake you know what'd be yeah, funny I, uh, huh if we did uh a, a second edition ad and d one shot 
Honestly, I would be so down. I have all of the books in oh, my God. room right now. I've oh. never read it. I've never played it. I'm so oh, ready. Oh my God. I'm so ready no. for the math of Thacko. No, no, no. See, Uh-oh. no, no. See, like, you guys are like, ha ha, that'd be funny. And I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to play that. I, like, <laughs> I, I, I refuse. I barely wrap my head around D&D. I don't, I don't want, I would not. I can't. I no. grew up on it. I learned on it. And as much yeah. as the nostalgia would hit to play it in that system it again. It is kind of miserable. It, oh, you yeah. would get 30 seconds. You would so get like 10 minutes. To now. You'd get like 10 minutes in and then realize, okay. Oh, uh, Pathfinder 2 is a nice, comfy middle ground between 3rd edition and 5th edition. That's been my impression of it. I expect that I'm still going to like 5th edition the most in general. Um, yeah. But, like, to me, it's like, I'm okay with that. Because, uh, like, I I still want to play Pathfinder. Because, like, I want to branch out. I've played Pathfinder 1st edition, and I had fun with it. You know, it's like, for me, like, it doesn't have to be my favorite system for me to still want to play it. And, you know, it, and the other thing is, like, once we're done with that Pathfinder main game, um, whatever that campaign shapes up to be, yeah, you know, once we're done with that one, we could always just come back to Fifth Edition, especially if the situation around D and D and Wizards um, changes by that point. Which, I mean, for how long campaigns go, it fucking should. <laughs> That's such a long time. Yeah, my yeah. only problem with doing that is if by that point is when we return to the main campaign and then having to translate all of that into a new system. Ah, I'm sure it'll be fun. Well, well no, um, we only have the the going back to Kilstrad again arc in the main game. And, and then and then uh, after that, the main game will take a new form. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know we, we switched... talked about maybe doing another another arc before Strahd, but if we want to just go back, do Strahd, and cap it off, should we still really be recording at this point? Left, like... I'm leaving, I'm leaving it in. Okay, I'm I just saying, because like, we're talking like behind-the-scenes plans now, so I was just wondering. <laughs> yeah. I think that's really all that's left is for us to sort of like <laughs> go out with a flourish going back to, to Ravenloft, or, yeah, the mists. Well... I mean, right. we do have the we unresolved do... thing with Jack now. Well, we can always do a one shot for Jack later. Although, I have. A I'm, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want, in case we end up using the idea, remind me after we suspicion. stop recording, and I'll bring it back up. Gotcha. Yeah, like, 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 like. It's one of those things where it's like, I mean, the sh- the going back to Rayo off of thing would be like a nice little. Kind of that was her first thing, but also it's like Jack has set like Jack's finished his story seemingly, right? At least the way us three have set up our characters. Ilfell has I feel like there's something Ilfell could do, but fucking Bareth and Sonya have like nothing in the way of like Bareth still hasn't died. Story. Yeah. Like that we, we don't really both of us have like nothing in the way of like a story. That we're like pushing towards, seemingly, right? I, yeah, At least I, not one that we've pushed, like put any like real like 
time into, you know? So I, it's like I when it's like what we've got left is pretty much like <laughs> the end of it. Um like tying up everybody's personal story and then the whole campaign. Well, I, I see, I, 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 I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying like I don't, it, it, I don't think the care like Jack did because that's Jack. But I feel like with everyone else, it's less we've got personal stories to tell up, and it feels more like we managed to create characters who are perfect episodic characters, where it's just like. Here's this shenanigans we're getting into this week. I get you. I get what you're saying now. You know? Yeah. I kind of look at it as with what we know about Ravenloft, without getting into spoilers, with what we have learned about our our good buddy Strahd, I think that I I kind of envisioned the next part of that game as basically like part two of it yeah <laughs> by that i mean it by stephen king um yeah. i think that that's kind of where our story's going and then i think i have a sneaking suspicion that when we go back uh, i think a lot of things are going to get resolved for better or worse i have a feeling not all of us come back from that one i'm just going to keep think, my mouth shut i think yeah son of a bitch I think that Ravenloft will answer a lot of our questions one way or the other. And I think we'll make it very clear where these characters go. Um, Like, at this point, I am getting antsy to get back to that one. I am also... I am willing to perhaps integrate these characters into the greater mythos of our version of, like, whatever setting we play in Pathfinder. Um, Like, maybe they fucking come out of the mists into... You know, whatever. Well, before we you play go any further on that, that kind of ties into the idea I have later. Gotcha. So, um, uh, maybe it's just because every single, maybe it's because every every time Sonya have tried to do something, anything, it's just immediately kind of fallen. Like any type of character thing with Sonya, immediately just kind of end up falling to the wayside. I, I feel like it's fucking out, fucking whatever. This is episode two. This is episode three. Fucking what? 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 Full house bullshit. Am I have to do I today? Do, I do. Uh, I get. I do get what you're saying, and I think that. I think one element of it is like that campaign was all of our first time playing a campaign together as this specific group, um, and so I think that we have since. I mean, I would hope in the years since we started that we have learned like more about how to play around each other. Yeah. And I think play that, off each other and I think that by the time we got to a point where we're like we know who our characters are now and we understand them better. Um like Ilfelodel's Blade Singer thing, I came up with that so late in the game. Yeah. Um and uh so I think that we understood our characters we finally came to understand our characters and how the group operates like pretty late into the game. Um, Whereas I think if we started that campaign now, after having played together for years, I think from the very beginning, from episode one, I think we would, you know, be setting up and foreshadowing these things that we've been wanting to get to. Um, So I, I do, I do think, um, well, for one, I agree with you that there is, you know, I think that the sort of intergroup dynamics 
I don't know what the word is. I don't know what phrase I'm trying to use, but like, I think that we, I think that we learned very late in the game how we want to play around each other and who our characters are. And I think that, like, I mean, just look at our group now in yeah, the in contrast, this Eberron adventure. Contrast we... the main game to the <laughs> Eberron campaign. We know what our characters are. We know who we want them to be. We have the idea of where we want them to go this time and we know how to play off of that with each other now the main campaign we didn't get that till two-thirds of the way through first episode with these eberron characters and we all so so early on like the first scene that our characters showed up we all were just injecting so much character into them from the get-go did Um, a goddamn anime opening (laughs) (laughs) um and like pretty much immediately we start like like we start having like you know pairing off different characters to like test out you know what they're like together and you know like i think last episode somebody made the joke about like everybody gets an episode with clash yes uh, <laughs> uh everybody gets some yeah. random misadventure with clash and uh so i think that i think that that's something that now that we have the experience with each other um, cause like this, this, that was our first campaign playing as this specific group. Um, you know, like I, when we started this campaign, Matt was also running a curse of Strahd game with some of our local friends. Um, Matt, you might remember, well, I mean, obviously you remember that game and you remember my character for that one, uh, was the, the Hexblade Warlock Cursival. Yeah. Um, Curse- who was <laughs> like, he was like a corrupted Arthurian knight type character. It was so cool. So both of both games were happening around the same time, or like starting in a similar time frame. And I had these two character ideas of Ilf, of Ilfelodel, a elven necromancer, and Cursival, my like corrupted Arthurian knight hexblade. And I was like, ah, oh, I don't know which one I want to play. And all I had to go on basically was the people we were playing with in person. I knew them. They were, you know, like one of them is. Somebody that me and Matt have known since like eighth grade, ninth grade, something like that. Yeah, um, forever. And then I didn't know any of you guys when we started, and so I was like, "Well, I know the wizard will be like, I can, I can do funny stuff with him. I can make him entertaining." The and I was like, "The hexblade one is going to be a little bit more difficult. Like, I don't know, you know, like how well I'll mesh with the group." It was a much more serious character. I don't know how well I'm going to get along with everybody. I don't know what the tone of the campaign is going to be like. So I was like, I'll play the wizard in in this podcast game because I I know the wizard will be fun. And if the campaign is really dark, I can play that character really dark. If the campaign is really silly, I can play that character really silly, which I kind of did. I'm going to point out (laughs) is that the group's internal name is the Gooligans. So I think you made the right choice. Um. But like, to be honest, looking back, I I have wished several times that I had played Cursival for the um for this game instead. Um, because I want so badly to I want to play out interactions between Cursival and all of your characters. And because <laughs> I think I think they would have been so cool. I think Cursival's interactions with Jack would have been so like they would have been the edgy anime duo they really would have been dude holy shit um i think Cursival 
and Varith would have found a bond in sort of like knightly ideal because like Kercival sees himself as a knight even though he's a hexblade warlock he serves a fucking dark dark evil he sees himself as a knightly like you know as a as a as a figure of of knightly ideals you're and like I the lord Soth. pretty much yeah um i think he would have found a a bond with Varith, though i think they would have clashed early on i think that he would have found like uh, a brotherly bond with Varith. And then Sonya, I mean, Sonya just, like, who doesn't have great interactions with Sonya? <laughs> um, like, I don't think it's impossible. I don't think it's possible. It's, it's weird. I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know how I'm going to go back to Because I've been having to play a character. Like, because Sonya was, Sonya is very much like, I tried. I tried. When right, you were there. You all were there, right at the beginning. <laughs> tried playing like a real there, person character. Like I tried playing a real person character. Sonya was supposed to have ideas and beliefs, and at some point, and I don't know when, I just <laughs> I, it just became like, fuck it. This is she's she's just she's literally pure id, you know, just <laughs> just fucking. Yeah. Whatever thought jumbles around in that brain has to come out and immediately be set to like natural. And now to play a character, and now like playing like a real person character who's like an actual human being, it's like, man, I don't know if I'm able to go to that. Because every single, because there's plenty of times where I have stupid ideas as like ours, but like I'll be like, no, ours is smart. He's not going to do something ridiculous unless he thinks it's going to work. You know. Here, here's the thing about that with Sonya, though. Sonia is a monk. How yeah. is the person that is pure id have the discipline to be a monk? And that's what makes Sonia an interesting character. Yeah, yeah, man. It's because she's pure id that she's such a good monk. She has none of those fucking earthly ties. And I think be that like that's water. something that would have been so fun between Kercival and, and Sonia because Kercival was also very impulsive because of his own, like, sort of like ideals and his his own version of sh like chivalry in his head like didn't uh, i'm trying to remember that campaign we didn't go super far in in it from what i remember right um i don't remember how far we got but like wasn't Kercival stuck in ravenloft alone like in castle ravenloft like yeah at, <laughs> at one point uh Kercival got stuck in castle ravenloft <laughs> like i've I, I escaped somehow. Jesus Christ! Um, um, you escaped via uh, befriending a creature, wasn't it? Befriending uh, Werefolk, basically. <laughs> I think I, I think I literally stripped off all my armor and gear to make myself light as possible, so yep. that uh, I think it was a Were Raven. Were Raven could carry, carry you away. out. <laughs> like, it, like Kercival is like is very impulsive. Um, I think that he, I think that he like openly sp like spoke against Strahd to his face at some point. Yep. Um, and when he made it back to the group, he was like, all right, gather the fucking troops. Cause we're going to go, we're going to go knock on Strahd's door. <laughs> like, well, I mean, we're talking terrible about, idea. <laughs> we're talking about how Sonia is like the impulsive one, but Varith's the one that punched Asmodeus. 
and I don't know how you get much more impulsive than that. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, so I just did you just try to punch out Cthulhu. <laughs> oh man! All oh. I know is I think y'all are gonna like my new character. I have been working for a minute on on her. I've been talking to Matt about her. And, talking uh, about Loveless? No, no the the new character after after Jack. The whole reason I've hopped in here was to talk about the stupid bullshit that I've been playing. So, uh, Jace knows this this story because I we've been talking about it for the last couple oh, of days. God. Oh God! I've been playing Pillars of, Pillars of Eternity, the first one. Yes, and I want to ask you all a question. I'm going to give you a hypothetical situation. Then tell you what your ultimate, and then ask you what your ultimate conclusion. I feel like I know where this is going. You might also know where it's going to. I think I talked to you about it a little bit. So, imagine that you're the Unabomber. Okay. So just (laughs) it's a hell of a sentence. So you're you're the Unabomber. Stay with me now. You're the Unabomber, and you're so you you blew up a god for a god. Like, they gave you the power to blow up a god, okay? You and, like, 12 other people, or, like, 11 other people. And then your god, who you worship, who you are a cleric of, who you gain power from, uh, wants you and all of your 11, deci- all of the other 11 people who helped you dead, um, wants to kill you. So... What would you do in that case? Would you? Uh, my biggest thing is, I don't think I could worship that person anymore. Like, so what you're saying is, he gave you a gun, uh huh, and said, "Go shoot that person," and then you uh-huh. did, and then he goes, "And now that you shot that person, I no longer have need of you," and you're saying. So what do I do with this gun in my hand? Right. No, 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 because the gun now no longer works and has left you impotent. Okay, he didn't say that. He did not say that the powers are gone. I was was about to say... No, the idea was that the gun was supposed to kill you, and then it didn't. See, I thought you were going to... See, you didn't say that, so my thought was like, well, you used your Unabomber bombers, Unabomber powers to like kill that one god. Just kill this one. He's yeah. already giving you. He's already giving you the tools needed to do it. No, Your no. The god. bomb was supposed to kill the other god and the twelve of you, but for so, some reason you survived. The goddess gives the Unabomber a nuke to kill Jesus with. <laughs> that is a hell of a way to put it. Yep. Um, it's one of those things where it really feels like you are, you know what? I would think you are the chosen one because you have been able to one, kill a God and two, right. not get killed by a God. So like, to so me, my I'm like, to all of you would be, would you continue to worship the God that wants you dead? No, no, you got to kill him now. Yeah. Great. So attack and dethrone God. Dead. Because Durant, Durant, so the character is named Durance, right? And his entire final, and this is the end of the quest. There's nothing left except the final, um, the final like storyboard at the end of the game to tell you what happens to him when the game ends, right? And I haven't got there, so I don't know what the fuck's gonna happen. 
But the end of the quest, he goes, cool, I'm going to worship her harder. That'll show her. No, no. God. <laughs> so what you're saying is that the only end of this quest is a fucking Animal House style fucking like one I two believe sentence his, war I, at the end. I, I believe his plan is to worship her so hard that he takes all of her powers. Because that'll you know show her. Durance, you thick bitch. Well, you know what? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Based on the setting and things I know about it that you haven't got to yet, and in the second game, that isn't as uh, futile a plan right. as you think. I was going to say. I'm stupid from where I'm at right now. <laughs> well, well, it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, but I'd also like to point out that, like, tech, like, from your point of view, it's like he was given a nuke and he thought uh-huh. he would survive. Meanwhile, uh-huh. if you would have, if someone were to say, here's this nuke, use it to kill someone, you'd probably go, no, because it's just going to kill me, right? Yeah, you're not, see, you're not Durance, the idiot. The so, so that's what I'm saying. Dude. Yeah, yeah, but here's the thing. It didn't kill him. So it sounds like Durance knows a little bit more than you do. I, think I don't think got, I could have survived. That's the thing. He doesn't. No. He really doesn't. I've been talking he's, to him. He is, no, see, no, you know what it is? It's He's stupid like a fox. That's what it sounds that's like to me. It really sounds like, he's, like he's, the only, he's the only one who gets it. So I've been to... I told, there I told would him be a, a, an argument for him being uh, crazy or stupid like a fox. I told Jace and Matt, my current party consists of me, who is slowly losing their mind... It consists of a really nice boy who is sad about his about his brother and loves dogs, which is great. A deer. Um, a deer is great. It consists of a really haughty elf and his split personality who is like a 17-year-old girl, but like a 17-year-old fantasy Celtic girl who will kick no. your ass. No, she's not 17. She's supposed to be an older, like, middle-aged uh, woman. She comes off as being, like, really young and immature, which is really funny. No, um, think, think more crude peasant. Um, fair. Uh, and then you have, uh, you have the really nice, um, hardworking woman who made a really bad mistake and fucked up real bad. Yeah. Uh, and then you have the fucking Unabomber, who is also your healer. <laughs> the fact that so, he's also the healer is what gets it for me. Yeah. It's great. It's great. Um, that game is great. Play that game. I'm, I got to get the DLC probably this week to, to finish it out. And then I'm going to play two where you get to be a pirate. And that's literally the only thing about that game I know. And I think Adair, Adair is in it. That's literally all I know. Matt, I want you to play Dragon Age 2 and pay close attention to Anders. Don't tell me anything about who's in it. I don't want to know. I'm trying to keep myself free of spoiling. Adir is, like, literally right in the first little bit. Like, he's right there. That's not spoiling anything. Right. So I'm I'm excited. Uh, That game is great. I've, I've never been able to get this hard into a CRPG. Killer, or, um, I played a bit of Baldur's Gate 3. 
uh, and uh, I played a bit of Planescape Torment, but I didn't really get into Torment. I got pretty far. I got about halfway into Torment. Didn't really like it as much. But Pillars 1 is really, really good. So, anyway, that's all I got. Don't trust the Unabomber, kids. He bad. Yeah, don't. (laughs) Anyway... (laughs) That is, uh, yeah, wow, this one went pretty long, huh? That's rare for an After Dark. Not complaining. I think we had, some, I think we had a, a fat, juicy girth of content. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we do. Yeah, content. I'm sorry, I, didn't, I, I just didn't feel like playing tonight, and then I couldn't sleep, so. That's okay. That's how it goes. No worries. Okay, so this one's going to be a little bit of a weird sort of add-on to the episode. Because as I was editing it earlier today, um, D&D Beyond posted a new statement about the OGL and the future of uh, the OGL 1.1, 1.2, whatever the fuck they, they decided to call it. Um, basically, the gist of it is there's three major bullet points for this. Is that they're going to leave the OGL 1.0 in place as it is untouched. Uh, They're also going to make the entire SRD, that's the system reference document that you use whenever you're going to publish something under 5th edition rules. They're going to make that the entire SRD 5.1 available under a Creative Commons license. And the third bullet point here is that when you publish content under the OGL, you can choose to either publish it under the OGL or the Creative Commons license. Now this is huge because... With the Creative Commons license, Wizards and Hasbro cannot change that whatsoever. Big day for TTRPG fans. Absolutely. It's pretty rare to see, you know, a a multi-million, if not billion dollar corporation actually like taken to task and forced to change course um, due to pressure from, you know, regular people like customers essentially so on one hand it is surprising that something was actually done and that they actually you know seeded defeat in such a dramatic fashion on the other hand it's also kind of not surprising just because this was so boneheaded and so dumb it Um, really was (laughs) like i think that the community made it so very clear how disastrous this would be for Dungeons and Dragons, um, and by extension Wizards and by extension Hasbro, it would be so disastrous for the brand, for the company. Because so like had they continued on this course and had they not retracted enough, or worse, had they doubled down, this would have gone so badly for them because people would quit and people would not come back. Some people still aren't coming back because they just, you know, I've seen people say that, like, this is cool, but they're not coming back because they just don't trust Wizards or Hasbro anymore. And I say fair play to them. Um, I will continue to enjoy 5th edition. Um, I know you've said as much as well, Matt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, the, the the fact of the matter is this entire fiasco has severely damaged the trust that people have in Wizards yes. and Hasbro. And it's going to take a very long time and a lot of effort to gain that trust back. 
Um, yeah, and it certainly helps that big names in the community like Ginny D and Mark Holmes have been like, you know, this is this is a great thing hearing uh, everything that, uh, you know, like the OGL 1. or 1.0 will not be messed with. And also the SRD 5.1 is under Creative Commons. They've made it known that they think it's a positive change. Yeah, it's I mean, it's so that really it's been helps. a great movement from the community in general like it's the D D like and just broader tabletop rpg community mobilized like more effectively than some militaries could <laughs> right. mobilize. like such a decentralized like group of people and such a widely spread and like you know like the community for tabletop rpgs is very vast very broad very divided um there's a lot of different camps in ttrpgs a lot of different you know different games different types of system like you know d20 systems d6 systems completely diceless systems um the different games within those systems and then like some you know not every D D player is is uh is even the same there's different types of D D or pathfinder player like so it's such a fractured divided and spread out and just diverse like not thinking in one way kind of community but they just instantly the whole community just instantly mm. like showed up in force and just you know has succeeded in forcing you know, this massive corporation to back down. And yeah. It's pretty, pretty cool. If anyone ever tells you <clears throat> that taking a stand as a community accomplishes nothing, they're lying. It's bullshit. Yeah. This is a good sign that it's there. You know, obviously um, things can get pretty bleak. And, you know, when it comes to uh, the relationship between like, customers or consumers and like uh people like publishers and whatnot mm -hmm. um you know that that relationship gets pretty bl pretty bleak especially in the spaces of tabletop rpgs and video games but i think that this is a good example of how of how you know people who play games uh don't have to roll over and just take whatever they're given from publishers and developers um you really can as a community stand up and tell them like you, you have to change this or we are not going to support you because these companies don't exist without a their workers uh, who let's not forget you know the workers at wizards were were among you know i won't say the most affected because it's the people who publish the you know third party content those are the people who are obviously affected the most um, but the, the, the regular like day in, day out workers at Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro, you know, are, are living pretty miserable lives because of the greed of the companies that they work for. Um, so like, it's important to remember that they, um, they were in this fight with us too. It was, it was insiders at Wizards who were leaking a lot of the information that we had. Exactly. Yeah. And D&D Shorts said it best that. It was insiders at Wizards who gave us the fighting chance to even know that this was happening and then to be able to fight it. You know, it's these companies, they don't exist without their workers and they don't exist without 
you know, the people who buy their stuff. You know, Wizards and Hasbro, they don't have a company if people work if people don't work for them and if people don't buy D D books, you know, Transformers toys, G.I. Joe toys. Right. Whatever um, it's under the Hasbro umbrella. All this to say bullying corporations worked. We did it with uh Paramount in the original Sonic the Hedgehog design. <laughs> it works and is morally uh it's morally, morally good. It is not morally ambiguous. <laughs> yeah, um, right. For once you get a morally unambiguous uh resolution on this <laughs> on this channel. Also, they uh along with the same they published some stats from the OGL 1.2 survey that they put out um, just before we recorded the rest of this episode. I still don't know if I'm going to put this segment at the beginning or at the end, so you know what I mean. Um, so more than 15,000 people filled out the survey, which I think is a pretty small number, but it's a pretty significant number as well. I don't know. It's Numbers are weird. <laughs> so um, turns out uh, 88% of people did not want to publish... Uh, role-playing content under OGL 1.2. 90% have, uh, would have to change some aspect of their business to accommodate OGL 1.2. 89% were dissatisfied with deauthorizing the OGL 1.0. 86% were dissatisfied with the draft virtual tabletop policy. 62% were satisfied with including the SRD in the Creative Commons license. And the majority of those who were dissatisfied asked for more SRD content in the Creative Commons. It's interesting that there were 11% of people who were okay with deauthorizing uh, OGL 1.0. I wonder if they were thinking, I'm okay with deauthorizing 1.0 as long as the replacement is, you know, acceptable. Mm -hmm. like, I wonder if that was their thought process. Um, it's still 89%, you know against the authorizing is still a massive number uh, but i just i wonder what those 11 percent of of people like i wonder if they i'm sure there's somebody somewhere who is like no it's actually a good thing to deauthorize 1.0 and you know wizards deserves uh, a wizards deserves a cut of the content people make and blah 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 you know some some bootlicker somewhere who right. just who would suck on Jeff Bezos's toes if they could. But I, I just, I 11% is an interesting number. I will, in good faith, um, give them the benefit of the doubt and say, or assume that most of them were thinking, I'm okay with deauthorizing 1.0 if the replacement is acceptable. Yeah, that's the mindset that I would like to go into because that's 11% yeah. of 15,000 is... 1,650, which yeah. is still pretty fucking... That's a big yeah. chunk of people. You know, it's, it might not be a huge number on the full scale of things. But, you know, pack, 11, pack 1,100 people into a building, and that's a lot of people, you know? There are... there There's professional sports that can't fill a 15,000-seat stadium. Yeah. So... Um. That's a lot of fucking people. So, I guess what this means for the future, I think, is an interesting topic. Like I said, there's people who are not going to come back to D&D, &D, and they are 
you know, I would say they're well within their rights not to. Fair play to them. Um, you know, I, I, I don't begrudge them that decision at all. Um, I, I love one. I love fifth edition as a system. It combines a lot of things that I liked about second edition with a lot of the modernization of like third and I'm not going to say fourth, um, <laughs> but like third and Pathfinder. Um, it combines, you know, that classic second edition AD and D kind of emphasis on like story and character and role playing elements while having like the modernization of uh of the newer editions and mm-hmm. newer systems like Pathfinder. For now, I think fifth edition is still going to be my favorite. Yeah, um, it's definitely mine. Every other every other system that I've tried and even previous editions of D&D, I've generally liked, but I I just always come back to fifth edition just because it's easy and I know it very yeah, well like inside and out. And it might seem like a weird answered to just say that it's easy but when you think of actually playing a game if you just if you're going into a game with the desire to just play and just have a story and have like a fun time you know there is something to be said about a system that stays out of your way for the most part Mm -hmm. and that is easy to to recollect information the advantage disadvantage system isn't perfect, you know. Sometimes, sometimes it lacks room for nuance, but at the same time, it's so it helps the flow of the game so much. When the DM doesn't have to think, is this a negative two modifier? Is this a negative four modifier or a negative six? Like the DM can just say it is a disadvantage. There's something to be said about how quickly you can just figure something out under the uh, the guidelines of fifth edition. This doesn't have to turn into a, a a full length discussion on the pros and cons of fifth edition. <laughs> right. That could be that can be its own separate um, you know podcast or video. But just to say, like you know, I don't think either of us plan on ever leaving fifth edition behind unless sixth edition comes around and it's even better. And um, I am still excited to see what one D and D brings us because I'm yes. it's. I'm always excited about just new D&D stuff. I fucking, I'm unabashedly, like, in love with this game. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to ditch 5th edition. Now, if, you know, this, if this comes back to haunt us in a few years and, you know, now, granted, with the SRD going into Creative Commons, it would be very hard for Wizards to try, you know, a round two. Right. Um, But it's... You know, uh, it's, uh, I think, not very controversial to say that we live in a in a corporatist dystopia, or at least, you know, the opening stages of one. And it's not even um, the cool one. It's like, no, it's not the cool cyberpunk sucks. one. Yeah. <laughs> the, the SRD going to Creative Commons would make it harder, for sure. Downright, but like, nearly impossible for them to be able to do anything about the Creative Commons. Yeah, we can't look at Hasbro as, you know, a just, def- you know, permanently defeated uh, foe. Like, the Hasbro's business model still exists. Their opinions of D&D players still exists. You know, their their view of the customers still exists. And their treatment of their employees, both at Hasbro and at Wizards, that still exists. And unless changes happen at the higher levels of those companies, those 
treatments, those behaviors will likely still go on. Yeah, they're not a one-time so, boss, they're a recurring villain. Yes. This this particular fight for the OGL, we won. Um, I think the next step is to, and not everybody might agree with this, but I think the next step is to support the actual design teams and the developers, because I think that they're going to need it, especially with Hasbro uh, planning to fire like something like a thousand employees. I just, I just, all I did was Google Hasbro and it said that they're, they're going to lay off roughly 15% of its workforce. Yeah. Keep, you know, keep an eye on, keep an eye on this, keep an eye out for members of like the D and D design team um, or like the D and D beyond team who, you know, could potentially get sacked by this um, because it's not impossible that, that there's an element of retaliation to this mm-hmm. because Hasbro likely knows and wizards likely knows there was a lot of insider leaks and a lot of resistance and pushback from the, the D and D team and the D and D beyond team. So keep an eye out for that. You know, if people end up getting fired from their job at wizards because they took a stand against this really greedy overreach, support them. You know, if they post um, if they post on social media that they're looking for a job because they've been fired from wizards or something, just simply sharing that or or dropping a like on that post can help them. You know, it can help spread their story. And with any luck, a company like Pathfinder or like Paizo um, or Cobalt Press could pick them up and give them a new home where they would be safe. Yeah, always so, support uh, the always support the actual game designers and the writers yeah. and the artists. Yeah, the next step of this, I think, is, you know, making sure that the people who make the games that we love... um, Keep making games that we love. Yes, making sure they keep making the games, making sure they know we support them. We just don't... We just don't love, you know, Wizards the company or Hasbro the company. You know, be loyal to the people who make the game, not to the brand. And Um, also, just keep in mind that there is no ethical consumption out under capitalism yeah. so don't go after people for still buying new D books that come out absolutely we're just and trying to play a game keep playing you know whatever system you want to play keep playing it and you know let's let's try to let's try to help and to protect the developers who could face retaliation because they were a, a crucial part in us being able to even fight this, let alone succeed um, to the degree that we have. You know, we can all sort of pat ourselves on the back and we can all, I think, be pretty proud of this community for just mobilizing in right. such a impressive scale. You know, it's it's funny that Chris K.O. said, you know, he doesn't have to play D&D to understand um, because he's worked on video games and it's basically the same thing and this i think has proven how wrong that statement is absolutely because tabletop rpgs are not like video games um they are not like any other form of of entertainment yeah you can you can turn a video game into a tabletop game you can turn a tabletop game into a video game you're going to lose things in the process whichever way you go yeah it's just uh video games just do not feel the same as tabletop games and because like you you just don't have tabletop rpgs without your players because the dungeon master is just as much 
even the players too, the dungeon master as well as the players. But I would say the dungeon master especially, just because all my fellow dungeon masters out there know how much work goes in to being a dungeon master. But your players and your dungeon masters, you know, to an extent, they are they are an extension of the developers. <laughs> you know, like they are designing games you are designing levels you are designing encounters designing characters and npcs you're implementing mechanics into this game one of the unique things about tabletop rpgs is that you are the player and you are also the developer even just by playing your character you are being a developer you are you know implementing mechanics and you are creating a character and creating a story and so it's that level of involvement from tabletop RPG players that makes a huge difference because it's not just a game that we play it is a game that we play but also a game that we make when you make a character you are helping make a game um, yeah it sounds I know it sounds a little cheesy to say it but playing D&D and tabletop games in general whether it's Call of Cthulhu Cyberpunk Vampire uh, monster of the week, whatever. And again, it's going to sound really cheesy, but it's more of an experience than a game. Absolutely. And, you know, it's <clears throat> like, it's not an exaggeration to say that these tabletop RPGs belong to us as much as they belong to, you know, the developers and the publishers. Dungeons and Dragons belongs to you just as much as it belongs to Wizards of the Coast. Um, and now some. There's some, you know, ANCAP out there who's saying, well, actually, they own the rights to it, so it's legally <laughs> theirs. Shut up. Nobody was talking to you. Those are all um, the people that voted a, um, in favor of revoking OGL 101 um, or 1.0. Like, because, like, sure, if you only think that the world exists in legal terminology and in, and, you know, in where money lies, sure. If that's the bleak worldview you want to have, sure. But in real life, with real human people um, who have real human experiences, you know, the game belongs to all of the players just as much as it belongs to Wizards of the Coast. Because when you play the game, you make the game. Um, and so it's not an exaggeration to say that these games belong to us. And so that's why I don't think, you know, when uh, I, f I forget what her role was at Wizards. It might have even she might have even been at Hasbro. I think it was like Lindsay Williams or something. But um, when she said, you know, that D and D is under monetized compared to video games, the reason is because like you know how are you going to microtransaction D and D unless you make it fully digital like we talked about? D and D <clears throat> is under monetized because like you can't sell us our imagination. You can't sell us, you know, something that we help make like you can't you know, sell me therapy in a box surrounded by my best friends like yes it's different from video games you can't monetize it and treat it the same way as video games because it's not the same yes it's a game and yes it has fantasy storylines and it borrows elements from video games and video games certainly borrow elements from it but it's not a video game and and, and i think that wizards and hasbro has learned that the hard way now, I just hope you know. that they don't try any dumb shit in the future. But uh, yeah. if they do, at least we know the community will be very vocal about yeah. it. And we know that we can beat them, is the other thing. Yes. 
I mean, we have, you know, we, we, we're the ones with the money. We can just not give it to them. And that makes them exactly. really mad. And what they don't understand is that, you know, video games, you can make a bad video game and then you can come out with a sequel and then be like, it's different this time, guys. You can sell people a bad video game or you can be a garbage company and still sell video games because they, you know, they hit the serotonin release button in people's brains for like 30 minutes. But like when it comes to tabletop RPGs, if you release a system that I don't like or if you treat the system that we like, you know, with disrespect and or you try to, you know, monetize it in a predatory way, we can just not play it. Like, people who love 5th edition D&D can just keep playing 5th edition D&D. We can, we can play 5th edition D&D and never buy another Wizards book for the rest of our lives. Because we have the books and the PDFs and, and the online, you know, the online resources. Tabletop RPG players have a real, they have a real weapon with which to fight this kind of thing. Because we don't have to buy your next game to continue experiencing uh the game that we like like i might not be able to get the you know i may not be able to experience the next story in modern warfare if i don't buy the new call of duty but i can have a million new experiences playing D using the same old resources from the book i bought years ago it's it's just to reiterate that tabletop rpgs are not video games and you can't treat them the same way as for us i think you know, we're still going to play 5th edition. Um, I would still like to move, you know, to move forward with playing some Pathfinder on the channel. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, 100% we're going to... We'll try out a bunch of different systems at some point. Yeah. Just in general, I like Pathfinder, you know, and I like... You know, I do want to explore other systems. If you take anything, you know, if you... If you bought, like, Pathfinder books or some other system... Or you got excited for Cobalt Press's Black Flag system. Great, be excited and play those systems. Yeah, don't don't just give up. Um, you know, don't just like re don't return your Pathfinder books, please. If you are if you really are not going to play Pathfinder and you're just going to go back to D and D, that's okay. Please, like, donate those books to somebody. If if anything should come out of this this victory that we have, it should be a newfound you know, appreciation and discovery of different RPGs. Mm -hmm. um, so if you bought Pathfinder books, give it, just give it a try anyway. You can go back to 5th edition, but just, just give it a try. Just support, you know, support the, the, the TTRPG scene as a whole. Because one day, there might be a, you know, there might be a, re a repeat of something like this. It might not go this way. We, you know, of course we know we can beat them. But what happens if Wizards or Hasbro decides, screw it, you know, we're we're going to we're going to sink the whole ship and, you know, burn it down and build it back from the ground up. Or, you know, they they think they know better than us and they push through with something terrible um, and they, you know, they do something dumb and they and they crash D&D &D and everybody gives up and quits on D&D. If, if something like that were to ever happen, which I hope it doesn't, and I don't think that it will because we showed we can win. Um, but if it does, we will all be better off if we started supporting all TTRPGs, you know, now as opposed to, you know, starting it later. Except, you know, except maybe Shadowrun. I've heard <laughs> some things. Yeah. Shadowrun players 
Um, Shadowrun players, are you okay? Do you want to talk about it? <laughs> um, I hope we're you're. Here do- I hope you're doing well, and I'm so sorry. Yeah, we're we're incredibly sorry for what's happened to your game, and we hope that things work out for you. And um, um, before uh, before we sign off here, I do want to say. Um, what with all the social media fallout and everything from this entire fiasco, don't forget the community members who straight up harassed games, game designers and writers and artists. Don't forget them. I'm not going to name names, but if you know, you know, and I would suggest maybe not following them anymore. Yeah. Support, you know, support the people who were active and vocal and helped organize resistance against this. Support third-party content. Support other publishers like, you know, like Paizo, like Kobold Press. You know, support people who are publishing D&D content who just want to share their stories and their games and their ideas with you. You know, and support the people who have to work, you know, at Wizards and at Hasbro who are there because they love D&D. They love the game that they help make for us. So just support tabletop RPGs. It's as simple as that. People who make them, people who publish things for them, people who post, you know, free tools and resources for them, um, and the people who give us this game. Um, One last thing before we go. Uh, I always thought Jeremy Crawford looked like Mark Hoppus from Blink-182. I see it. I see it. And that is not a slight against either of them. They are both very handsome men. Um, And yeah, fuck corporations. So yeah. We're going to go ahead and uh, leave it off there. Um, And then I'll just cut in the previous outro from the first segment of this bit and then put it here. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, we're on Twitter at AmbiguousPod. You can also like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AmbiguousPod. You can also... um, Do we have at Moral Ambiguity on YouTube? I got to check that. Mm -hmm. Yep, it's YouTube.com slash at Moral Ambiguity. So... You find oh, can I, well. throw out, can I throw out a, a thing? Yeah. I also started a new streamed uh, game called Ink Stained uh, with a group of a, str- uh, a group of friends um, over at uh, twitch.tv forward slash Okomi. O-K-O-M-I-E. I'll put the link in the uh, description. We're that, yeah, we're going to be doing that every other Saturday. And that was our first uh, session was Saturday, and it was a blast. Uh, so check that out sometime. Uh, yeah, there definitely are go check that out. The stream was fun. It was a lot of fun. Support other tabletop RPG games, not out of hate for Wizards or Hasbro, but because they deserve it. Um, support, yeah. you know, third-party resources, places like, um, you know, 5e tools. Um, there's, I mean, there's there's tons of them. Um, Especially the ones that are free. Support the ones that are free. If you want to do it out of hate, if you want to do it out of hate, yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna, a lot of good, a lot of, you can a lot have of good a little, things have come out of a lot of good things have come out of spite. You can spite. have a little of spite as a treat. As a treat, yes. Oh. I was gonna say, I'd say I think most of the DD alternatives happen because of spite. Also, remember yeah. always direct your vitriol at corpo suits and not real human mm-hmm. beings. Yes. Yeah, I said it before, I said it again. At corporations and anyone who runs PR. The, the, the fucking, those are the two. Don't, don't uh, forget, 
corporations only do good things so that they have clout to do bad things in the future. Yep, it's true. Eat the CEOs in Minecraft. And don't trust the Unabomber. (laughs) All right, we'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Good night. Later. Yeah.